Welcome to Christian Family Center. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy today's message as we preach on living, loving, walking, and influencing for Jesus. Be blessed. If you look at the scripture we have for this morning, and I'm going to read from the message version, but in the notes I've actually supplied the NIV as well. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a wash tub or shoves it under the bed. No, you set it up on a lampstand so those who enter the room can see their way. We're not into keeping secrets. We're telling them. We're not into hiding things, but we're bringing everything out into the open. So be careful that you don't become misers of what you hear. Because generosity begets generosity and stinginess impoverages. When you listen and you look at that scripture, it has this blessing in it, but it contains within it a warning. It says, if you can be generous with what you've been given, then God blesses you with more. But if you cannot be generous with what you and I have been given, then what we have will be taken away. If you read it this way, Matthew 5, 14, 16 says that here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with it, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And as we read the scripture, we're challenged this morning that what seems that it could be a cute message about letting your light so shine contains a blessing and a warning. You see, to each and every one of us, things have been given. To each and every one of us, grace has been given. To each and every one of us sitting here this morning, eternal life has been given. To each and every one of us here today, the gospel has been given. To each and every one of us, it does not matter the amount, as Stephanie so beautifully explained. Five barley loaves and two stinking fishes. It doesn't matter what you've been given financially, but you've got something. God's given you a personality. God's given you an attitude. God's given you an ability. You've got something from God. I've got something from God. And Jesus warns. Jesus encourages the disciples and says, Hey guys, guess what? What you've got, give it away. What you've got, let it shine. What you've got, go and stand on a rooftop and let it reach out. And he says, but if you can't, what you've got will be taken away. Not Dwayne's word. Jesus's. If you're reading a King James Version or an NIV or a red letter Bible, it's in red. It's the words of Jesus saying, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. And who does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Jesus, quote, unquote. 
what are you and I doing with what we have? You see, God has called us that our light would so shine before men that people would benefit and God would get the glory. Which is why I said, if you were given a checklist of your life yesterday, how much of it brought benefit to other people and glory to God? Now I know we've got chores to do. Lawns to mow, cars to wash, dishes to wash, clothing, and a whole lot of things that we need to do. I understand that. But in doing it, John Wesley, the famous preacher, shared, and these are his words, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, and at all the times you can, to all the people you can, and as long as you ever can. I just love those words. He's saying, hey, you know what? You're going to do good all the time with everything forever. That's it. And once again, it sounds like a really cute statement. Once again... It sounds like the sort of thing you and I would like to be associated with. It's the sort of comment I want to be known for. It's the sort of comment I believe that you would want to be known for. To say, now there goes a woman, there goes a man who did good by all means possible, in all ways possible, at all times possible, to all people possible, with everything he had possible. I don't know about you, I'd like to be associated with that. How about you? You see, the truth is, I am the light. The truth is, you are the light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, but he put his light in us that we might reflect it. He put his light in us that it might shine through us. I'm not saying that we have become Jesus by no means, or by no stretch of the imagination would we be that arrogant. But Jesus said, hey, you are the light of the world. Go shine. Go shine. And what shines out of you and me? As I was preparing, I thought of two characters in the Bible. A guy by the name of Jonah and a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Two characters that I would like to just very briefly, in the time permitted, have a quick look at Jonah's life and in contrast to the way Jonah responded to the word of God, Zacchaeus and his life. Because there's a similar story, a similar line, a similar theme theme in both characters' responsibility towards God and to those around them. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to the book of Jonah. And we're just going to really briefly look at Jonah. There's a lot there, and I just want to touch on some things to contrast the life of Zacchaeus. You see, when you look at the book of Jonah and you look at chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach. You see, it comes, the word of God came to Jonah. God said to Jonah, hey, go preach. 
And he had to go and preach against the city. He had to go and tell them of the wrong things that they were doing, the wrath of God, and if they changed their ways, God would save them. And so he was sent. The word of God came to Jonah that he would go and preach. Verse 3, but Jonah, say but Jonah. Come on, a bit more emphasis, but Jonah. You see, the word of God comes to Jonah, but Jonah, the man decides what he wants to do with with God's word. The man of God decides how he's going to handle the sending of God. But man, but Jonah, but man, and for a moment we can pause and say, but me. But me, to make it personal, to make it real for us. But Jonah, cutting a long story short, headed the other way. God gave him a word to behave a certain way, to travel in a certain direction. But Jonah, but man, decided, ah, I'm going the other way. That's too uncomfortable. That God I cannot agree with. I am going the other way. Verse 4, then the Lord, and God intervenes and says, you know what? I really need you to go. I really need you to go. You can run from me, Jonah, but you ain't going to hide. Jonah, I gave you a job to do. What are you doing, Jonah? Then the Lord, but man, then the Lord sends this massive storm. And they, this event happens on the, on the boat. And there's this discussion where they realize that God is probably punishing them because Jonah has been disobedient. Verse 15 says, Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. So the people go, start to murmur and say, What the heck are you doing to us, Jonah? Hey, it is better for you to be dead in the ocean than for us to have you on the boat and us be dead at sea. And the people throw him over the boat. But God had it all stitched up anyway. A big whale comes along. A whale that God had grown for who knows how long to the right dimensions, the right sort of species. His diet would even have had to have been of such a nature that the acid wouldn't have eaten Jonah. Comes along, swallows him up, spits him out on the beach. And we read in chapter 3, verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. And so finally... Jonah does what God called him to do. And if you read through to the end of the story, he still has an issue with what God does and he laments about it. Kind of can't get the blessing of God. At least he kept his life, but he didn't get a blessing. So the word of God comes to Jonah. But Jonah decides to go the other way. Then God has to intervene. The people realize what's going on, throw him over the boat. Jonah's in a predicament. God provides, and Jonah does what he's meant to do. But he ends up lamenting about it. Let's have a look at Zacchaeus. Turn with me to the book of Luke, please, chapter 19. And we look at verse 5. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Jesus was walking along the road. And verse 5 says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, 
Sound a bit like the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of Jesus came to Zacchaeus. And Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Oi, come down. The word of the Lord came to Zacchaeus. But Jonah headed the other way. Verse 6. So he came down at once. Jonah decided when the word of the Lord came to him that he would head in the opposite direction. But Zacchaeus, when the word of the Lord came to him, responded immediately. I want us to start to see the contrast between two men who God had gave a job to do, how they responded and what the outcome was. Two men got the word of God. One headed the other way and the other said, at once and came down. Then God has to intervene. And in this case with Zacchaeus, Jesus says, I must stay at your house. I must come and eat with you. The same way Jesus intervened in the situation for Jonah, he intervenes. But we understand, we all know the story of Zacchaeus. It's going to end so much more different to the story of Jonah. God intervenes in that moment and he says, hey, I must come. And stay at your house today. And the people all murmur like they did there and they threw him overboard. Here they murmured and they looked from a distance that Jesus was going to hang out with tax collectors. And verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. So the word of the Lord comes to Zacchaeus. He responds at once. Jesus says to him, hey, and then Jesus says to him, I must stay at your house. He gets a revelation of something and says, God, I'm going to fix it up. I'm going to make it right. I'm responding to you, but not just am I responding to you. Everything I have will respond to you as well. All that I am is going to respond to you. And we know what Jesus then says today. Salvation has come to this house. And Zacchaeus is blessed. You see, God's called us to be light. In the opening scriptures, we see that Jesus says, Hey, if I've made you light, why would I put a bucket over you and hide you? Quite the contrary. I want to put you on the top and let you shine. When he talks to, in in the book of Matthew, as Matthew records Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he actually says, hey, let your light so shine that people will see your good works and give your Father in heaven all the glory. We're called to shine. We're called to do good works. We're called to bring glory to God. Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, you exist for two reasons and two reasons alone. For the benefit of others and to bring glory to the name of God. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah and he went the other way. And the word of the Lord came to Zacchaeus and he responded immediately. He ended up miserable But having to do it anyway, he ended up blessed. Him and his household. Which one 
am I? Which one are you? Do you exist to bring benefit to the lives of others and glory to the name of God? You see, we can play church till the cows come home. We can come here every Sunday morning, sing two fast songs, take up a giving, sing a slow song, do a communion, do a slow song, preacher preaches a prayer, preacher preaches a message, make some announcements, do a half song or a chorus, it makes us really happy, go have a cup of coffee, cake, chat to some people and go home. I did church. How was that to the benefit of someone or glory to God? I think if we had to give God our liturgical run sheets, if God had to... I ask this question, would Jesus come to my church? It's a very good question. I ask myself that regularly. Would he come to my church? Oh, what would we do? <laughs> Absolutely, I love that. What would we do if he came here? <laughs> We'd probably praise him louder, worship him louder, give more and say, here I am, what can I do for you, Jesus? But he, Absolutely. But he's here now. He's in every single one of us. He's here represented in his word and represented by the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. Which one am I? Which one? You know, if you go back to that scripture in Matthew chapter 5, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out God's colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You see, when Jesus was sharing that, and I'm reading out of the Message Bible, when Jesus was sharing that, he was, had, was sharing the Beatitudes. He had just said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those that are persecuted. He had just gone through what we know as the Beatitudes, the, the, the things we do for blessing. And the whole time he's preaching in Matthew 5, 6 and 7, as it's recorded, he's talking about Christian lifestyle. He's talking about who we're called to be. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, us as believers, how we ought behave. And he gets you down to Matthew 5 and he says, So go shine, be light. And I'd like to add four more. Be attitudes. And if you're making a note, it says B-E hyphen attitudes. Four attitudes we need to be. When you look at the scripture, the first one says be light. 
You and I have got to learn how to be light. In other words, light contains all the colors. When I was in school, I was really fascinated by this, and it's always fascinated me. When I went to school, we still did science, and in science, the, the teacher would put, bring out this little glass prism, and then we'd take light and a piece of paper, and you'd shine a torch light, a real beam of light through the side of the, the triangle, and you'd see the rainbow on the other side. And I used to love that little, that little thing that she used to do, and I would play with that for ages. Because it always amazed me that white light would actually produce so much color. That white light could fill all seven colors. That all seven colors made the white light. And it always interested me there was never black. Because black is not a color. We might color in with a black crayon when we do coloring in. But black is not a color. Black is the absence of light. The seven colors that make up the rainbow are the seven colors that make up light. You put those seven colors together, and I've tried this with mixing paint. You put those seven colors together through light, it actually becomes white. But through paint, it doesn't. It's a mess. So God is light, and he says, I want to shine through you. And I love the picture of the triangle, that as his light hits me, it reflects through me in a myriad of colors. And as people receive the myriad of colors, they receive light. Be light. Be color. Be a rainbow. Tell me, when kids go to school, a preschool, Why do they always color flowers, plants, green leaves and a red flower? Why? Actually, unfortunately, because someone told them that's how you color in a flower. You fill it in green down the bottom and red on the top. Some educational styles is you allow kids to explore at that young age. They can color it wherever they want and to explore with color. Well, you know... I won't go there. I'll leave that. God loves color. Just look around at a butterfly. Look at a rainbow. That's light. It's shining. A butterfly shines up because this light is reflected off it. Darkness is the absence of light. And what I love about it is light always wins. Darkness is the absence of light. The moment you walk out, you know, know, when you walk... We had the ladies at, the, uh, at a beachside property out in Brisk Bay a couple of weeks ago. And it is black. But you put a torch on and black disappears because white light fills it. So when Jesus says, ah, my light is in you, when he shone into us, he shone his light. The darkness that was in us was expelled because it was filled with light. And then he says, now, go stand on the hill and shine your light. You see, we can sit in here, a whole bunch of, you know, what's it, 50, 60 candlelight inside here. And it's cool because we've got light in the church. And we'll sit in here with the 60 candlelight going, it's really dark in the community. So then, what's the problem in that statement? The light needs to get out of here and into there. The light needs to shine. 
60 candlelight in here makes for an awesome church. But a dark community. But you take those 60 lights and you position them through the community. And we have a well-lit community. I don't know about you. Do you want the light in here and a dark community? Or do you want the light in here and a lit? You see, it's not either or. Somewhere in our thinking, somewhere along the way, we thought we've either got to have light in the church or light in the community. Hey, we'll pick light in the church because it's cool. It's safe here. No one uses that F word. No one looks at porn. No one does no naughty things. Over here, we just shake hands. We love each other and it's all cool. This is a safe place to be. There's a world out there that needs light. And Jesus is the light here. Not you and me. Just in case you were thinking we were. He's the light here. We're the light there. He shines in here so that we might shine out there. Will you let your light so shine? Not just shine. So shine. Will you allow his light that shines in here to reflect through you to all the colors in our community? That God would use you and me to be color out there? That God would use you and me to dispel darkness out there? I'm going, hey God, what was in your mind when you made that decision? You know us humans. You made us. But somewhere in there, God's expression of love for humanity is through the local church. Through the price his son paid. Through his word. And through the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let your light so shine. Let my light so shine. Light always wins. I have never seen darkness dispel light. The only reason it gets dark at night is because the sun has traveled away or the earth has turned, whichever way you want to see it. Light moves or the earth moves away from the light and darkness comes. Yeah, there's a community out there that's in darkness. We're the light. His light shines here that we might be recharged or filled to go shine light out there. You know, a mandate on this church for 80 years is that it would have, would be, and is, and I am calling it out again, a lighthouse church. God called this church in this community. Every church has a mandate. Our mandate is to be a lighthouse church. And as the pastor of this church, for four years we've been working towards this moment that I can stand here and say, let us go out and be the light we're called to be. Let's be light. Let's be that lighthouse that brings people to a place of safety and warns them from the dangers that are out there. The second attitude after being light is be public. 
You know, this is not the brotherhood of believers. Secret handshake. You know, if Cal was here, I'd do the secret handshake that him and I have. Not that it's that secret, but we shake a funny shake that we do just for jokes. This isn't a secret society. It's not a closed group. It's not like that, that group out there that's got the two things that face over each other. I know who they are. I'm just not going to mention the name because this has been recorded. All right, that are out there that you can't get in unless you, someone invites you in and then you've got to put a compass to your heart and say that, you know, if I tell anyone of the secrets of what's going on inside here, I'll be buried above the high tide marks and my body will never wash away. And What? That's not church. But we make it to be the church. We, we, we point fingers at, 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 at these, this, this mob and go, hmm, demonic, evil. Closed, how can that be so healthy? Go to some churches today and see how close they are. There's a click. Unless you're in, you're out. Oh, sorry, am I preaching too honestly? You want me to back off? All right, I'll be nice. But some churches behave so closed and so insular that you've got to know the secret handshake. And all the information's private. We don't tell anybody about anything. We don't even tell them about Jesus. It's our little secret. And that we're going to heaven and we're the only ones, that's even more our little secret. Less of us, more to eat. I'm being facetious. I'm joking. But I'm being serious. We're meant to be out there. We're meant to be public. Jesus says to them, hey, you're a light. Be light. He says, you weren't made for a secret. Be public. You know, over a conversation overheard at a funeral of somebody, and, 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 and not from here, and, and somebody was saying, two of the guests were speaking, and the one guest says to the other guest, I didn't even know he went to church. I didn't even know he was a Christian. If I went to your workplace and said, so, tell me, can I pick on you? Because I know it's not true. If I went to Philippe's workplace and I said to the people he works with, so, do you know Philippe's a Christian? I know what they're going to say. Yeah, I wish you'd stop telling us about Jesus. <laughs> you and praise for people in the supermarket. The tellers are scared of him. One of them said to me, <laughs> yeah, one of them said to me, oh, that Philippe guy goes to your church, yeah. Man, whenever he comes, I don't want to serve him. <laughs> Because they know he's going to tell them about Jesus. That's why I know you were safe to pick. But if I went to your workplace, would people know that you are a believer? Would they know that you actually go to church? And you know, it doesn't be, need to be because of what you say. It needs to be because of who you are. What you allow. You say, you don't need to say a word. John Wesley actually says... Um, I am the only book. I only have one book. It's his life. He says, here's my life. God, use it. If God were to use your book or take your life in the workplace and write it down into paper, would we be able to distribute it here this morning? Really interesting question. Because you're light and you're public. And Jesus is saying, hey, be public. Get out there. It's not a secret society. 
Go and make disciples. Tell people, you're commissioned to do this. Live this way. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and his whole, the whole thought of the book of Ephesians is that the church in Ephesus would know who they are in Christ Jesus so that they could walk worthy of it. You see, Jesus wants you and I to know. God wants you and I to know this morning. Hey, I want you to know who you are as his son. I want you to know who you are because you're in Christ. I want you to know who you are because you celebrated communion and said, I get it. My, his body broken for me. His blood shed. I have a new covenant. I am forgiven. I am free. Well, then go walk worthy of it. Be public with it. You know, I, I look at some people... Um, uh, a multilingual might come from, uh, I'll pick on the guy sitting at the back there, uh, a family from South Africa that would speak English when they're with us, but Afrikaans at home because that's their, that's their native language. That's their mother language. And so they're comfortable to speak Afrikaans at home. Are we the same Christians? We speak Christianese at home, but like the world with the world. It's okay language-wise to do it, but Jesus is saying be public. With your faith. Be public. You don't have to go around doing what this guy does. He has a gift. But you've still got to go around commission to tell people about Jesus. You've still got to go out there and live a life worthy of the calling of being called his son and his daughter. He said, be public with the knowledge of the gospel. The third thing he said... First thing that, the third thing that comes out of it is be reaching. Be light, be public, and be reaching. If you stuff up, take responsibility, fix it. Be kind, be compassionate, show love, pray. When last did you pray for your neighbor? Oh, no, I can't. They do drugs every Friday night. They get high on pot. And then the heathen, mongrel, demonic spirit music that plays, I have to put earplugs in. And I've got to pray the blood of Jesus over me so the stuff doesn't stick. Well, how about you just pray the blood of Jesus over them? We're next door neighbors. And every Saturday night in Toowoomba, every Saturday night, they'd smoke pot and the smell would go, the next cop, I know the smell of it. The smell comes over the fence and they'd make a noise. And the first time I just said, guys, can you please be quiet? The next moment, beer bottles came flying over the wall and hit the ceiling. I had an, I had an old tiled roof and it kind of hit the ceiling and it fell on the, uh, broke some of the tiles and all over the back lawn and it was just a mess. And then I went, oh man, what am I going to do? So I called the cops and I got the cops out to come and disturb them and I got more beer bottles after the cops left. And eventually I thought, stuff you. I'm finished with you. Because it's Saturday night, I'm sleeping, I'm going to preach tomorrow morning. I've got to be beautiful for it. And you know, I've got this mono brown no hair and a bit of a belly, so it takes a lot of sleep to make me beautiful on a Sunday morning. 
And I got really angry. I thought, stuff you. And I went out there, ex-cop South Africa, uh, trained to kill with my own bare hands. And, and I did a lot of that sort of stuff. And, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go out mercenary style. I'll take them out one by one. Bury them in the backyard and they won't find them. And I was half serious and half joking. I'm going to have to cut this out the audio file. But as I was on my way out there, and we've got a whole bunch of chooks in the backyard, so I was going to take a chook through the throat, ring it around, and really make a mess of it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, so at what point do you ask me to help you? At what point do you reach out to them? Tomorrow you're going to preach about the love of Jesus. I haven't seen you show any of that yet. Kind of put the chook down, pack the knife away, or back inside the house. You kind of sit in the chair and you kind of go, oh, I'm in trouble now. Kind of like when daddy says to you, go wait in the room, I'm coming. Or your mother says, when mommy says you go wait in your room, wait till your father gets home. You know, when you're sitting there waiting for dad to get home, I wish dad would come home, but I don't want dad to come home. I hope he's late and I hope he's happy. <laughs> Mama, you're cooking dad roast his favorite meal because you've got to make him happy. And so I prayed. Ten days later, they moved. I said, God, teach me how to love them. God, if they're not moving on, if they're not going to change, then move them on. You know the distress and the distraction that this is causing. Attitude. Absolutely. It's a beatitude. Be reaching. Be reaching. When last did you reach out to somebody? When last when you were walking, as I said in the beginning, down and saw someone trip and fall, did you actually say, look, can I help you up? I know you're busy. We all are. I know you have to be somewhere. All of us have to be there too. But when last did you stop? I'm going to say something really radical now. I could be fired for this and who cares. If you're on your way to church on a Sunday morning and someone's broken down on the side of the road, how does be reaching look to you? I better be at church because pastor's expecting me at 9.30. Well, that's a lie. You don't come till quarter to 10 anyway. Um, <laughs> that came out. <laughs> but what's be reaching? Stopping at the side of the road and saying, hey, can I help you? Obviously, use common sense. Don't put yourself in harm's way or in a dangerous situation that will compromise your safety. But stop and say, can I help you? I'm going to play band. They're waiting for me, so I better... No. Just text. You've got a phone. We've all got phones. Text. Hey, I'm going to be late. I'm just helping someone at the side of the road. Yeah, our first reaction back here at church waiting for you is... And then the Holy Spirit will kick in. By the time you come here, we'll give you a big love. Thank you for reaching out. I know, I'm the pastor. Uh, my first thoughts are going to be, I'm human too, like you. I work out my salvation with trembling and fear, like you. But be reaching is what Jesus was saying to them. Reach out. And there's a song like that. Somehow there's this musical song, Reach Out, in the back of my head. It's a heathen song, but anyway. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Reach out. He's called us to be light. He's called us to go public. And he's called us to be reaching. Number four, we might go a little bit better. 
be glorifying you. It's what we sang. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about God. It's all about bringing glory to the name of God. Everything you and I do, and I want you to listen to me. I'm listening to me, and I need you to listen to me. Everything you do can, do can only do one of two things. Bring glory to God or take it away. Hello? Doing nothing is not an option. Because nothing is taking it away. Do me a favor. Tomorrow, in your workplace, go up to someone random and say, so what do you think about God and Christianity? See what they say. Don't get offended if they say you're a bunch of selfish, self-righteous, bigoted group of people hanging around in your stained glass windows, blowing wind up your bum until you float off. Sorry, thus saith the Lord. I'm serious. We're having some fun. But somewhere inside, it should be going, ouch, ouch, ouch. Maybe it's just me and people I hang out with. God wants us to bring glory to his name. We exist for him and for him alone. You don't exist for you. I don't exist for me. Even my wife, she doesn't exist for me. She's, she's down in Brisbane with her mother and is like, oh, I've got to eat takeout all the time. I'm actually wanting real food. No, no, that wasn't a, it wasn't a request for meals. I'm okay. And it's like, uh, the kitchen's not done. And who's going to wash the dishes? Well, I suppose I'll have to. And I woke up this morning, I'm going to iron my own shirt. And <laughs> she doesn't exist for me. She might make my life a more pleasant place to live. But she does not exist for me. Guys, your wife does not exist for your pleasure. I heard a definition once, wife. Washing ironing, food, and entertainment. She does not exist for your pleasure. She exists to bring glory to God's name. When she irons your shirt, it's bringing glory to God's name. So what are you doing to bring glory to God's name in the way you treat her? And I'll leave that there. It's enough picking on the blokes. I don't want to be lynched by my own mom. We get it? Everything we do. I don't exist for my children. I exist to bring glory to the name of God. And I express it how I raise my children. I'm not God's gift to preaching. But the way I do brings glory to God. Or takes it away from Him. Because you've only got the two options. It's for Him or against Him. It's to Him or away from him. If you're not glorifying God, then you're glorifying yourself and the prince of this world. Who are you bringing glory to today? Yourself or God? It's got to be glorifying of him. When his light shines in me, the color it produces in my worship of him. When we sing up here, we call it praise and worship. Actually, that's a lie. It's called praise. 
seven different forms of praise that we do up here. Worship is a lifestyle. We worship him with our giving. We worshipped him this morning when we woke up and said, thank you, Jesus. We worshipped him in the way, our attitude as we drove here. And that old man with the slouch hat and the Volvo drove so slowly like it was Sunday. Well, it was. You were late for church, not him. We worshipped him by the way we interacted with our brothers and sisters out in the car park where the world drives past and watches us. We, we, we worship him by the way we, we're welcomed here and welcome others and make other people feel included. We worship him by the way we come in here and lift our hands in praise. We worship him in how we give a, tri- a tribute all we have to him. We worship him in the giving. We're worshiping him now in the way we respond to the teaching of his word. We're going to worship him in a moment in how we respond to this in our personal lives. We're going to worship him as we... Do you see, we're going to worship him all day. Does it bring glory to his name? Be light, be public, be reaching, and be glorifying. Be like Jesus. Because that's what he calls us to be. Be holy. God says, be ye holy as I am holy. He's not saying be perfect. He's saying be perfected. Take my holiness on and allow me to make you more holy to the point that when I see you face to face and I say, come my son, come my faithful daughter, he will give us the completeness of his holiness And we truly will be holy as he is holy. Paul encourages the church to be like Jesus. He's not saying be Jesus because we can't. We're not the son of the most high God. But we are sons and daughters of the most high God. I am a son, not the son. You are a daughter, not the daughter. There's only one, a, the son, and that's Jesus. But we're all sons and daughters. And so he's not saying be him, but he's saying be like him. You look at Jesus' life across the Gospels, and you will see it is consistent that the example that Jesus set was to be, be light and to be public, and to be reaching, and to be glorifying of his Father. That's my cry for us this morning, that we would be light, public, reaching, and glorifying of God. As I said at the beginning, this is an encouragement but it carries a warning. If I stopped now, we'd walk out of here encouraged, but not aware of another truth that Jesus shared together with this that brought balance. The message says, Luke 18, 18, generosity begets generosity. Stinginess 
impoverishes. In other words, stinginess makes you poor. The NIV says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen to his word. Whatever you have and have acquired will be given more. And those who don't have, even what they think they have will be taken away. At the beginning I said, we have been given so much. The grace of God. The completed work of the cross. An eternal destination called heaven. We've been given being at peace with God. The book of Ephesians chapter 1 tells us the seven blessings we've been given because we are in Christ. He's given us natural abilities. He's given us talents. He's given us His Holy Spirit gifts. He's given us so much. So that our light would shine. And His warning is, if you don't use it, If you use it, more will be added to it. But if you don't use it, even what you think you had will be taken away. What am I doing with what I have? Go on. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. John Wesley said, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, and as long as you ever can. I believe John Wesley had a revelation of this word. I pray today that we too would get that revelation and that it would be practically outworked in our life. See, if you get it, you exist for the benefit of other people and to bring glory to God and you live out of that truth, you can't go wrong. You can only get it right. Get it right, get it right, get it right, get it right. I'm going to ask Talia just to sing the words, just with the piano and the backing vocalists. And I don't know about you, when the music fades and it's all been stripped away, we kind of realize it hasn't all been about Jesus. But it's all been about us at times. And I'm going to give us an opportunity this morning. I'm not going to pray with anyone. But I'm going to give us the opportunity. I'm going to ask you to not stay back there but that during the song just come out the front I'm going to give you the opportunity this is between you and God to repent 
and say, God, I'm sorry. I've kind of made it all about me. There's times I've been selfish. There's times I've been self-centered. At times I've got it right, God. But at times I haven't. God, from today, I want to get it right more often. I want to make it about you. God, I want your light to so shine in me and I want to so shine in the community that I would truly benefit other people and truly bring you glory more each day. You see, I don't think there's anyone here, including me, that can truly say 100% of every day I'm here for the benefit of others and I glorify God. If you've got to be honest with yourself. Here's an opportunity to write and to say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. Forgive me. And then move on. You see, when we get to points of repentance, the devil tries to nail our feet to the ground. Jesus' feet were nailed so ours could move. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing this, God. And then move on. Now, God, let your light shine through me. God, that when I get an opportunity every day, that I would recognize you giving me an opportunity to benefit someone and bring glory to your name. God, help me. I love what Steph said. It doesn't matter if you've got five barley loaves and two stinking fish faced with feeding 5,000 men, their wives, and their children. That's God's problem, not yours. All you've got to do is take what you have and in faith, give it to God. The words you have, the time you have, the resources you have. And let His light so shine in you and through you that our community would say we can't afford to lose that church because if we lost that church we'd lose something in our community and that God would say well done you've just heard another great message from Christian Family Center thank you so much for listening in If you have any questions about today's message or Christian Family Centre, feel free to email us at info at whitsundayacc.com.au or call us on 07 4786 5555. See you next week.